I think he's a rich man's Tebow. <laughs> Well, I think Dan Reeves is quoted as saying, I just didn't know what to do with a feller who knew how to run like that. I think that's what Dan Reeves said. <laughs> I, think, I think he just came on the show. I remember Dan. It sounded just like him. You're not not really uh, uh, very confident in Big Ben's health this season? No, not, not even a little bit confident. I mean, the guy... <laughs> Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of Fantasy Impact Today. This is the Fantasy Impact Today Network, and this is the quarterback edition of the John Fursella Show. This is show number two in this series where John Fursella breaks down his rankings and we compare them to the consensus ADP from around multiple drafting platforms. Hey, John, how are you today? Hey, Wes. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me on the show, my friend. Oh, having you back on the show. We had a very good feedback from the running back show that we did last week. We had some great feedback and we've gotten some initial numbers back, and we were the highest-rated podcast among men that mowed their yard shirtless on the weekends. Wow. So, <laughs> oh, that's a big success for us. I, re- I really feel strongly about that going forward. Yeah, congratulations, my friend. We have found our demographic. <laughs> yeah. Same to you, my friend. <laughs> hey, one of the things, though, that people uh, want, requested – from the running back show that we did not cover, that we covered a lot of stuff in that first show. And you can find that first one on the fantasyimpacttoday.com under the podcast section of that website. Or you can find us on Fantasy Impact Today on Anchor FM, and we're, we're still up there somewhere. It got might have been mixed in with all the other podcasts that we have on the, on the Fantasy Impact Today network. But, John, the one question I had, what about the San Francisco 49ers? and their running back situation. How do you read into what's going to happen in that situation this season? I got to tell you, I, as of right now, it doesn't look like Mostart is going to find a home elsewhere. I still feel like in the back of my mind, he's going to be there when it's all said and done. So with that being said, he's still the running back one for the 49ers. And personally, I'm a big fan of the way he runs. Um, he's got an interesting career. He's a guy who's been released multiple times and never had any traction at the NFL level. Um, but last year, obviously, when you go to Shanahan's system, you can break out in a major way. So he certainly did that. And I, he runs downhill. He runs hard. He runs over guys. So I like his style. He's the number one guy. Let's say he it doesn't work out and he literally just sits out. I don't know if that's a possibility, like he's still on the roster, but this just refuses to play. If that's the case, then I like a combination of Tevin Coleman and McKinnon. McKinnon as the receiving back and Tevin Coleman as the guy in first and second down. So some sort of combination of those two guys. Yeah, it, it it was really strange whenever you looked at the snap count or the snap percentage last season, and it seemed like both Coleman and Mostart had thirty thirty something percent of the of the snap percentage. But that was really before Mostart broke loose. You know, or, or in the playoffs, it seemed like he was unstoppable. But then I think Coleman got a lot of the goal line carries in the in the postseason last year. So it's a tough situation to read. But I I definitely agree with you. I think Mostart's the guy to own if you're going to own any of them. Yeah, I mean, I like him. Uh, obviously, you don't like when you're on shaky ground like this with an up in the air situation, but it's not like Dalvin Cook where you got to spend a very high first round pick to get him. So if you can get him, you know, a little bit later on, and then you can handcuff him with a McKinnon, uh, especially for PPR because he's more of a receiver, um, you know, I think you can cover yourself pretty well. Like you said, the second half of last year, that's where he really came into his own most start. And, um, you know, he really broke through and he really started to run with confidence. And I understand why they were going to Coleman at the goal line because he's a shorthanded guy. He's a veteran. 
And Mossack does have some issues with fumbles. He had them the season before when he was playing as a part-time player. But as an all-around runner, just as a downhill rusher, uh, you got to like Mossack as the guy. Uh, you can, if you have any questions about this show, we're going to be doing quarterbacks here in just a second. You can get in touch with us, Fantasy Impact Today at Yahoo.com. You can reach the show at uh, on Twitter at FI Today with a little underscore. Or you can reach John. What's your what's your Twitter handle, John? At Legend Sports 7. At Legend Sports 7. And I am at Lofinit, L-O-A-F-I-N-I-T on Twitter. All right, quarterbacks. John, you you have sent me these lists, and you have your position rankings for the quarterbacks, and and then I just took them and I compared them to the other lists that are out there as far as ADP goes, mm-hmm. and and consensuously speaking, Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes, top two quarterbacks in the league, and there's a big gap to me between the rest of them because those two guys, man, they they're what Mahomes set a record two years ago with fantasy points, Lamar Jackson. I don't, I don't know if he shattered it or not, but he, he made his big impression last season. Uh, wh- what about these two guys? Are you going for them in drafts? Do you like to wait around? What's your draft strategy in redraft leagues for quarterback? You know, it's a good question, Wes. These two guys are really spectacular, right? They're really standout guys. I got to say, first of all, I'm excited to talk about quarterbacks because there's a lot more nuance at the position. And I feel like personally over the years, I've studied that position more than anything. A lot of film, a lot of game tape. A lot of nuance. So I'm very excited to talk about these guys. And Mahomes, I feel like, is the most exciting athlete to come around since Michael Jordan. That's my opinion. I've been I've been watching sports closely every day, every second for 30 years plus. And, uh, you know, he's really that exciting as an all-around force. In fantasy, I see he, he's been going as the number one quarterback. I'm not surprised by that narrative at all. Um, he got the big contract, so that got attention. Sort of like Mookie Betts got a lot of attention this week in baseball for getting that big contract. Same idea. So that doesn't surprise me because he is probably the best quarterback. But, and this is a key, without a crowd this year, quiet stadiums, I do think Lamar Jackson is going to run wild on the ground. Remember, for any of us that have been to these guys on third down, fourth down, the crowd goes wild, pumps energy through the defensive players. If it's a sleepy game and you got to chase Lamar Jackson around, who's five times as fast as any defensive player, he's going to run wild on you. So I still have Lamar as number one based on the circumstances of the season. I do think he will repeat overall in fantasy production because of his rushing. I'm sure his passing will improve a little bit, but it'll be similar. I think his rushing will again be spectacular, and I have Mahomes as the number two quarterback. Um, As far as strategy goes, I don't like to tell people what to do because you don't want to be married to one strategy. Um, with those two guys, if you feel confident in your ability to draft running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends, you can go ahead and grab one of those guys early if you feel confident in yourself. Personally, do I do it? Not that often. No, I don't. But, um, yeah, I don't tell anybody how to run their ship. I think you can get away with doing that if you feel confident. I agree with you. I, some people just prefer to have that stud quarterback and build their team around them. Everybody has different strategies going into the draft. I've been in one league for a long time, and it's kind of like my big friend league, you know, and everything. And so I just like to throw new things at them every year. Because uh, you know what they're going to – I know what they're going to do. They're going to do whatever whatever I did last year is what they're going to do this year. That's that's. <laughs> so I just like to zigzag around and, and keep them guessing. All right, so – after that, we have the same kind of ranking, you know, Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, all those players, a lot of running quarterbacks there. 
uh, it seems like that's really where the league is going. And then Josh Allen is number seven. I've heard a lot of hype concerning Josh Allen this offseason with the addition of Stephon Diggs there. What are your thoughts on, on Josh Allen in Buffalo? You know, Wes, Josh Allen's an interesting case because I'm a Jets fan, so I've gotten a real good close look at him, you know, two games per year, plus whatever's on national TV, plus last year's playoff game. So I've had a lot of time to look at him. Uh, I don't want to be the type of guy who just follows what everybody else says, which is the guy can't complete a pass. Right? If you listen to other podcasts or you watch ESPN or whatever, NFL Network, these guys, all they do is they say he's inaccurate, he can't complete a pass, he's raw, this and that. What I saw is he got much better from year one to year two, and who's to say he won't get better again as a passer when you put a legitimate offense around him all around, right? So do I think he's going to be a superstar passer in year three? No. Do I think he's going to improve again? Yes, I do. So I have him as my seventh running back. Obviously, we know he likes to run the ball when the play breaks down. He's a big, strong guy, and he's faster than you think. He's got a big, strong arm, and you put some weapons around him, and maybe good things will happen. I, I don't particularly love him where he's going for me personally, but I think he's fairly ranked. I just don't know if I would take him there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, he definitely has the potential to continue to improve as an all-around package at the quarterback position. You know, I've watched Josh Allen, too. He, he, I like those kind of quarterbacks, gritty, tough kind of guys. You know what I mean? That just, that just seem to find a way to win the game. And I understand he has his limitations as far as throwing the ball, but he has a different kind of team leadership that, that doesn't always transition to the next level. That, and I believe he has that. I want to compare him to a, a lot of times you say a poor man, somebody. Yeah. But I think, I think he's a rich man's Tebow. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, Tebow really, really couldn't pass at the <laughs> NFL level. I mean, I like Tebow a lot. I mean, the guy's a champion, right? I, any warrior in athletics, any champion, I'm, I'm a big fan. So I personally like him, and I'm, a, I, I'm certainly a big fan. But he really couldn't pass. I mean, he really was a scrambler. It was like having a running back, like an option quarterback at the position. And, and look, they made the playoffs that one year, and he was, he was great. Anytime they needed a big run under pressure, he was able to pull it down. But he couldn't sustain anything because he did not improve as a passer. So that, that's going to be the difference between the two guys is Allen clearly improved from year one to year two. Hopefully he will continue to do the same with with Diggs in the picture now. And they added Zach Moss as another guy in the backfield, so maybe they can balance out the offense and keep things moving. So that's the difference. Is that Tebow never took a step up. He, as a matter of fact, he took a step back as a passer, which is how he ended up out of the league. Yeah, I was hoping he'd be able to turn things around in the Patriot system. To me, if you can't make it in the Patriot system, that, that, that really does a lot. Now, he did try up there in your neck of the woods the baseball. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for the Mets, and you actually wrote a book with my guy, Theo Epstein. I think the, the name of the, the title of the book was, was How Wes and Theo Helped Bring a Cubs Championship. I, think, <laughs> I don't recall that being the exact title, but uh, something like that. That was along those lines. But yeah, I wrote a book about Theo Epstein, actually with the Red Sox, uh, when he won a couple of World Series, and he was not being covered really uh, nationwide as much. It was really a Billy Bean kind of time where he was the guy that everyone was focusing on so that that is true but as far as Tebow with the Mets he's still with us in the minor league system and I gotta tell you if you watch him take BP he looks like a major league ball player he's big he's strong he's very muscular up top these days he looks like a different guy he's got a quick bat and the ball explodes off his bat but you put him up there against some good pitching and he's pretty much an automatic out he gets most of his hits at the minor league level against the weaker pitchers which means he'll never really be able to play in the majors unless the Mets want to pull a stunt and, uh, you know, if next year we come back and we have full stands, maybe they want to get some fans in the stands and they want to pull a stunt. 
Other than that, you won't be seeing Tebow in the major leagues. Yeah, his his greatest asset is the love that people have for him, and and deservedly so, I believe. Now, but you mentioned we both talked about baseball a little bit. Baseball, of course, is starting off here over the last couple of days on Thursday on Thursday night. I believe it was the first pitch in in Major League Baseball. What have been your impressions about the the no fans in the stands and and just how baseball just looks really different, but yet it still pretty much is is the same game. Yeah, Wes, you hit the nail on the head on that last line there. It's pretty much the same, and I was really stunned because I, I've been bummed out this whole time with the whole thing. I just felt like logistically it was going to be very difficult to pull off. Um, there'd be guys, you know, if the same team, 10 guys get it on the same team, that's a real problem. 15 guys get it on the same team. All the guys in the bullpen get it, whatever it is. You know what I mean? The guys are sitting in the stands together. So I was worried about all that kind of stuff. But that being said, when I watched a couple of the preseason games last weekend, I was like, you know what? First of all, a lot of the teams are putting cardboard cutouts behind home plate to give the illusion that fans are there. And it actually works because you're, when you're watching the game, you're not looking in the stands. That's peripheral. So when you're watching the game, it feels like the, the crowd is actually there when you're watching from the TV angle from center field. So that part actually worked really well. They were smart in setting that up. Um, so, yeah. And then when you watch the games, the guys look pretty good. They look sharp. That's, that's what surprised me. The defense has been good. Obviously, the pitching is always ahead. Uh, you know, I watched the Mets. I'm a big Mets fan. The first game yesterday, it was Jacob DeGrom against Mike Soroka, Mets and Braves. And the starting lineups could not touch the ball against either one of those guys. It was six innings of scoreless baseball. So we can get used to that early on as the good pitchers will dominate. Um, and then hopefully as they get lower down in the rotations, we'll start to see those hitters come around and then the uh, home runs will start flying. Now, this is kind of like a dream come true for, for Marlins man. Is that what his name is, Mar- Marlins man? where he likes to go around to all the different games, he could actually be a cardboard cutout in every single venue that has the, you know, the home game for this season. He could just be every day. He could be right behind home plate every single day. This is his time. This is his moment. This is his time to shine. You know, it reminds me of the movie Up in the Air uh, with George Clooney where they fire people for a living. So during a recession, the, the manager says, this is our time. Like, this is our time to shine. We're going to fire people during a recession. And that's, this is Marlon's man time. This is it. This is his time to come through. Hey, we've covered all those running quarterbacks. That, that whole first tier. Seems like we have seven quarterbacks that like to pass, like to run, and can find the end zone uh, many multiple ways. But now we get into some veterans. Uh, we got a Drew Brees, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, who is a mobile quarterback, but I'm not going to say is a rushing quarterback like those top seven. What do you think about these veterans right here? Yeah, I'm very confident in redraft. Obviously, we're not talking dynasty when we're talking about 40-year-old quarterbacks. But I'm very confident in redraft in Drew Brees because there's been a lot of offseason noise. um, And he is in a defensive mode. And I think he's going to play with a lot to prove. Don't forget, you got those two quarterbacks behind him. You got Jameis Winston, who led the NFL in passing yards last year. Uh, he, he gets some press. And you got Taysom Hill, who's like a poor man's Lamar Jackson style of play. Not that he could be that good, but that style of play, athletic quarterback. So there are guys nipping at his heels. He's getting close to retiring. Uh, there was offseason noise. And he's going to say, look, I'm Drew Brees. I'm a Hall of Famer. Watch what I'm going to show you this year because he's already got Michael Thomas. He's already got Kamara. And now he's got Emmanuel Sanders and Jared Cook is a good, solid veteran tight end. And you got an A-plus offensive line there with New Orleans. So like Breeze a lot for redraft. And similar idea with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they drafted a quarterback in the first round, Jordan Love. 
right? So uh, that was a lot of big chatter there. And, and Rogers, as we talked about last week, he's a petulant fella. Um, he doesn't like when things are not going his way or, or when people are, are taking shots at him. He's going to come out like a man on fire. And uh, he's going to chuck that thing around. And he's, I have him for big numbers. I got him for 4,600 yards, yeah. 37 touchdowns, not a lot of interceptions. So I see him in a major way this year with Devontae Adams also having a monster year. Yeah, I, I see. I saw your 4,600 yards and I was going, holy cow. He's, yeah. uh, he's like second to Dak Prescott in your rankings or third because you got Pat Mahomes at 4,800 yards. Where can people find these rankings? Do you have them posted anywhere, John? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't post them. I kind of do them by request on Twitter because a lot of people ask my opinion on what I think guys will be projected for. So that's a good way to do it. So hit me up if you need some projections for this NFL season at Legend Sports 7. Shoot me over a name, any team, anybody you want, and I'll shoot you back my projections. Um, yeah, I kind of keep them to myself unless you ask me for them. So it's a good way to try to keep an edge on the field in my leagues and the many leagues I'm in. Now, what are the biggest discrepancies you have between your rankings and the ADP right now is this guy you have at number 12, Jared Goff, because Mm. he's being drafted as the 19th quarterback off the board. You got him as the 12th quarterback off the board in L.A., missing a couple of key components there with Cooks leaving or or getting traded, I guess, and um, Todd Gurley also leaving Los Angeles. Why, Why Jared Goff so high? You know, it's a, that's an interesting one because the guy was in the top four in passing yards last year, and he was terrible. So that's something to consider. I mean, he was if you compare him to what he was the year before, I think this all comes from the Super Bowl, right? He had a really rough Super Bowl against the Patriots. He got exposed. His footwork was terrible. He was not accurate. He was nervous. He was not. He had no presence in the pocket, and that carried over. It was like a Super Bowl hangover. We hear it all the time. Certainly happened to the whole Rams team, but especially to Goff who's supposed to be the leader of the team. But then again, you have an awful season. I mean, he was just really not good. I, I saw them multiple times. And yet, he was in the top four in passing yards. Now, I think you take Cooks away, and I think that allows Goff to focus, actually, because you have Cup and you have Robert Woods, two of the better wide receivers in the NFL. Um, those I have those guys primed for huge years. And it makes you a little bit less confused. Sometimes you can get a little crazy with too many options. Um, you want to go to your guys. You want to find ways to get the ball to your best players. Um, and I also think people are down on the rims. So that's, that's the thing with me, right? The more you guys hear me and the more Wes and I talk, um, when you got a team that nobody's talking about or everybody's down on, that's when you want to jump on their players, right? You want to buy high. That's, we, we don't want to handle it like that. That's not the way you handle stocks. So, you know, you can buy low right now on Jared Goff at 19 and you get a good high upside pick, especially, especially at 19. The guy was in the top five in passing yards last year. Uh, and I think he'll be better this year. So that's my reasoning. Okay. Well, I, he did have a lot of attempts, a lot of completions. He, the volume is definitely there, but he just mm-hmm. could not put it together with the fantasy numbers. I, I'm down low on Jared Goff. I don't want anything to do with the LA Rams this year. I, I just, I, I'm going to stay far away from him. So if we ever get into a league, I will gladly let you have Jared Goff. I don't know. I don't know, Wes. They're lying in the weeds on you there. Nobody's talking about them. <laughs> now, in the middle of all these pocket presence quarterbacks, you know, these people who just hang out in the pocket, big arms, read the defenses, sling it down the field. Here is a guy in his second year who I consider to be a running quarterback with a lot of weapons around him that are healthy right now. We never know how long the giant positional players are going to stay healthy. But Daniel Jones, you have Daniel Jones ranked number 13. He's going around 15th in the ADP. Tell me your thoughts on this exciting young player. Yeah, he, you know, he is exciting. He's exciting for a lot of reasons. Obviously, I'm a New York guy, 
one of the main things about Daniel Jones that I still crack up is, do you remember when he was drafted, what the reaction was on social media? <laughs> I mean, it was like they drafted an elephant or not even a human being. Like, it, I've never seen a reaction like that. It, all these people are acting like they know anything about Daniel Jones. You know what I mean? They're professional NFL evaluators out there who watch film all day. They're scouting guys for years. They're getting word. You know, the Mannings really, really were highly behind Daniel Jones, the entire family. Um, you know, they, people were reacting like, ah, oh, Daniel Jones, this guy's going to be the worst player in the NFL. So that that's exciting for me that he came out right away as a rookie and he showed a lot. And the kid's got moxie. That's why I like him. You know what I mean? I, yeah. Is he polished? No. He's not even he's not even a little polished. He he just chucks that thing into heavy coverage and sees what happens. Um, but I like his confidence. He came in right away. He's decisive. He, he takes a snap. He makes a quick read. He throws it. Is it always accurate? No. Is it always the right read? No. But does he believe in himself? Yes, he does. And that's a strong quality for a young quarterback uh, going into his second year. I don't think his efficiency numbers will be that much better this year because the Giants' offensive line is still a work in progress. But like you said, he can run. He's nimble with his feet. They got some weapons. I mean, look look at the weapons on that team. Barkley can catch the ball out of the backfield, one of the most explosive players in the NFL. Ingram, if he could ever stay healthy, he looks like a wide receiver when you get him the ball in the open field. He is very fast for a tight end. And then you got three wide receivers who are very serviceable. Golden Tate's had a solid NFL career, right? Sterling Shepard, if he could ever stay healthy, he's a really effective guy in the slot. He finds a way to get loose. He's tricky. He's good in one-on-one coverage, and he's good in the red zone. Um, and then, of course, you got Slayton, who really busted out the major way as all those guys were injured last year. So they got some pieces around him in terms of skill players. Uh, he's got a lot of confidence. I'm just worried more about the efficiency. I still have him for 17 interceptions. So I think he's going to be up there in the picks category. But, yeah, if you run the ball and you toss the ball around, you mix those stats together, for me he's like the you know between the 12 and the 15th quarterback. I think that's fair. I have him slated actually flirting with the top 10. I don't know if he's going to make it into the top 10. I do like him better than Carson Wentz this season just because Carson Wentz does not have a receiving core whatsoever around him. So I always count that against Carson Wentz, and Wentz always proves me a little bit wrong. But I'm not going to drop Wentz too far down, but I am going to put Daniel Jones above him. One of the things I liked about Daniel Jones last season is you had all those skill players being shuffled in and out of the lineups. And you were mentioning all those different names of those skill players. So Daniel Jones was able to identify who to get the ball to, where, and 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 try and make those players allow them to make plays because they were his best players on the field. So I think if we have all those tools around him at the same time, it's going to alleviate a lot of pressure off of his shoulders. And let's let's face it, for a young quarterback to have Saquon Barkley in the backfield as the team leader. He does not have to be. He can just do his job, and that's that's going to be great for Daniel Jones. I think that's a good point, Wes, because he definitely they really were short overall from game to game in talent. Right over the course of the season, you look at the roster, you say, oh, they had some good players. They sprinkled them around here and there. Barkley missed some games. Tate was suspended at the beginning of the year. So, really good point by you that no matter who is out there, he figured out that day, that week, who are my guys? Who am I going to go to? to keep us in the game and put up some of these fantasy stats. So he was he was able to do that anyway, even with a weak roster. All right. Now, there's not a lot of love for who is possibly our generation's GOAT at quarterback, right? Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a running game as of now in Tampa, so they are going to throw the ball a lot. At least that's what they did last season with Jameis Winston. He is being drafted as the 11th quarterback. You have him at 14, right in the middle of the pack, somewhere in the middle of the pack. 
tell me your thoughts on this Tom Brady that that you don't like. Yeah, it's not that I don't like him. I, I mean, obviously, I'm a Jets fan, and I love Tom Brady. So that says a lot. I don't think any <laughs> fans ever said that. Because I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's my hated rival. If the guy is a champion and a warrior like Tom Brady and has come through time and time again and keeps his teammates up and but stays on his teammates at the same time, he's a real old-school type of guy like his old coach Belichick and his new coach Arians. They stay on guys, but they keep it professional. Um, I got a lot of respect for Tom Brady. So, and for, again, you know me with my rankings, it's a little bit malleable. It's a little bit fluid. It's a little bit flexible. If you want to, if you want to sell me on Tom Brady as high as number eight, going up to like where I have Drew Brees, okay, I can go up that far. If you want to sell me on Brady going down to like 18, 19, okay, that's about as far as I can go. So he's about at the midpoint for me, which is 14. But as far as the situation this year, uh, positives, you've got a major upgrade in skill player personnel, right? Major upgrade. You got Mike Evans and, and Godwin, the best combination in the league. And you bring back your old buddy Gronk and hopefully you find some good things there. And OJ Howard, he's, he's a little bit of a sleeper because now there's no pressure on him. You, you have three elite type guys, big name guys in front of him. And maybe Brady and Gronk could bring the kid along and say, OJ, look, you have ability in a vacuum. Let's turn you into a useful player on this team, on a winning team. So he's, he's a little bit of a sleeper as well. So those are positives. The negatives are uh, there's no comparison in the offensive line between the Patriots and the Bucks, And there's no comparison in the unity of the team and the style of play, right? I mean, the Patriots knew our number one goal above everything is we got to keep Brady on the field, right? The one year he was down, they won 11 games, but they didn't make the playoffs with Matt Castle. They had to keep Brady alive. They had to protect him at all costs. Everything revolved around that. The Bucks a different story. You got some guys, some young guys who wanted to put up stats. You got some guys who are a little bit flashy. You got a team that has no background in winning. So that that's a concern for me as a change in culture in terms of the personnel. I don't have any issues with Arians. I think he's a good, solid veteran coach, and uh, I like their talent. But I'm worried about the offensive line, and it's a change of scenery. So that's why it's a midpoint for me. That's so understandable. I. Uh, we're going to talk about wide receivers, I believe, next show. We may have to work tight ends somewhere in between all that, but I kind of consider nowadays tight ends as a as a wide receiver in a lot of degree because they just this the offensive side of the NFL is just so much passing nowadays that there's so yeah. many good tight ends that you can almost look at them as being wide receivers now. Um, but but John, you mentioned a couple of people names right there that that we got to talk about. Give a little tease for our wide receiver edition. Who do you choose out of those wide receivers in Tampa? I, I Godwin. I choose Godwin because of who the quarterback is, right? Tom Brady's the quarterback now. Think about his history and the guys that he prefers. He likes technicians, route running machines, guys that if it's one on one, he already knows he's going to look off, right? If he had Edelman in the slot in a one on one, he's looking off left, pretending like he's not going to go to him, and he knows Edelman's going to get wide open. Edwin makes a quick move. He gets open. Brady comes back to the right and throws it to him, right? Chris Godwin's that type of guy. He Godwin is a route-running technician. I remind you, four or five years ago, the Bucks were on Hard Knocks on HBO. One of the storylines was Godwin was barely going to make the team. He was, a, he was in a roster battle for the last wide receiver spot on the team. And the reason he made it was because he had sticky hands, never dropped the ball the whole camp, and because he could run routes. And now he's only been building on that since the point that he made the team many years ago. Uh, now he's only building to the point where he's a superstar. So Brady's going to prefer him because he's a technician. He's going to get loose in one-on-ones. But, I mean, Mike Evans is a physical specimen. He's a guy that's gotten by on his size and his talent for many, many years. So I'm sure he's going to find ways to use him as well. 
I like I like Godwin just a little better, but I think I have both guys in the top ten. I'm gonna miss watching the connection between Brady and Edelman. I'm gonna be just completely honest with you. It was one of those special things that I love to watch because those guys just were on the same page. They didn't even have to communicate. They just knew each other so well, and it was so much fun to watch those two guys. And, and when Gronk left, it even got emphasized a little bit more. But just those three guys, I, I was really hoping Edelman would find his way to Tampa just so I could see that a little bit more. Now, I will say this. You mentioned O.J. Howard. I saw O.J. Howard here in Alabama, and ever since he showed up on campus at Alabama, it was always like, holy cow, look at this guy, right? He was just so just a great specimen of a human being. Mm-hmm. The, the the rumor was he could never grasp any offense. He, it, I, I, We never understood. I never understood sitting on my couch. Why aren't we using O.J. Howard? Where is O.J. Howard? And and the thing was, is he just never could run the plays right. He never understood. He never could grasp it. And I think the, the I think that that's going to have a big effect on him. I will encourage everybody in my league. Or if you're in, you know, have some Alabama friends to go ahead and draft OJ Howard because he's going to end up being great trade bait at some point. If you know a guy that that loved to root for the University of Alabama, I just can't see OJ Howard making a big fantasy impact this year. Yeah, I mean, maybe not this year, but he was going around 25th at tight end. So you're not really giving up anything to get him. You know what I mean? You're talking about really toward the end of the draft. And if you talk about auction, you talk about a dollar, right? He's only going to cost you a dollar. Yeah. So it depends on the style of the league, but either way, he, he's not costing you a lot of draft capital. So you really just, you know, it's a dart throw, see how it works out. But like you said, he has issues. Most of his issues are technical, right, and and the uh, inside part of the game. But hopefully, when there's less pressure and he's not a focal point, he'll be able to emerge in that regard. We'll see. We'll see how it shakes out with the targets. We don't really know. So you're listening to uh, the John Frisella Show on Fantasy Impact today on the Fit Network, and. and here on the Fit Network, what we like to do is not only do we like to talk about today's players, but we like to talk about players in the past. We got a, John in, in, in past episodes on the baseball podcast or even the football podcast. We kind of do a little history lesson, you know, br- bring a little uh, history of the NFL or the Major League Baseball back to the relevant times because we don't. I don't. I hate glossing over great players from the past or even players that we just liked. So my question to you is. You say you followed quarterbacks for a long time. Do you have like a top five of your favorite quarterbacks that you've loved to watch? Not not necessarily the best ever, but your favorites, the ones you loved. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I'm looking at your list, and there's a guy on there who I thought of right away who came to the top of my list, and that was Kurt Warner. And again, I love these guys who just come in with nothing to lose, right? He was he was stocking, uh, He was stocking at a supermarket when the Rams called him that year. I remember the whole story. <laughs> They had Trent Green at quarterback, who was actually a solid NFL quarterback. Not bad at all. Um, he went down. The guy was hurt every year. And in came Kurt Warner. He was stocking the shelves, putting soup cans up. And he came in and became the best quarterback in the league. Yeah. So, And I like and I like the way he spread it around. First of all, he made quick reads. right? He always, he always had a good sense of defensive setup. Got rid of the ball quick. Was not afraid to push the ball downfield. But while he was pushing the ball downfield, he was like an anti-Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick will push the ball downfield so much that he ends up throwing five interceptions. <laughs> Kurt Warner was like, I'm only going to push it when it's there. When it's there, I'm going to get it, I'm going to hit it, and I'm going to hit that pass, and we're going to score. So I, Kurt Warner definitely was one of those favorites for me. The whole storyline is a great you know, comeback story sure. and an underdog story, so he's certainly one of them. On a, on a personal level, I liked watching Chad Pennington with the Jets because he had no arm strength. So it, it was very interesting to watch the chess game 
with Pennington where he was a master of play action. You never knew when the Jets were going to run, when they were going to pass. He hid the ball really well. I mean, he had no zip. You might as well have me a West Point quarterback. That's that's how strong <laughs> his arm was. So he was he was a fun guy to watch because he if he wasn't doing it with his mind, he wasn't doing it at all. So that's that's a local pick for me. How about you, Wes? Well, I I have to throw two young guys in here, or people who are still playing. I've I've so much respect. You were talking about Tom Brady. I have so much respect for Tom Brady and what he's accomplished with all the different names that he's had throughout that offensive. Uh, scheme in New England. He has just been great. And also, I agree with you. I love watching Patrick Mahomes as well. He made my top five list. And it's just simply because he does things on the football field that I have never seen done from a quarterback standpoint on a consistent basis. You know, not he makes a crazy play once or twice every single game. And I loved your comparison to Michael Jordan earlier in the show because that was what you watched Michael Jordan for was he was doing things every game that you had never seen done before. And oh, you yeah. always wanted to catch that moment. When, when Mahomes ran for that touchdown last season in the playoffs, unbelievable. Again, yeah. that, that crazy against the tide. That was crazy. Yeah. He could take a hit too. Mahomes is just one of those guys. I mean, you, everything you said there was spot on. I mean, number one, Michael Jordan's my favorite athlete of all time. Um, well, I grew up with him and you know, some people say he's a little brash and he's a little bit cocky, but Sometimes that's what it takes to be the absolute best, and I don't judge people for that. If that's the way you got to get to the top, that's how you get there. And Mahomes is is more modest, but has that similar type of cockiness. It's just a little bit more modest, a little bit more toned down. But one thing about Mahomes, and I, actually two things I want to say about Mahomes. Number one is when he threw that ball lefty. I believe it was the fifth game of his career. I was sitting here by myself on a Sunday night watching a late game against the Broncos. Me, a Jets fan, no skin in this game whatsoever. And I see this guy with the game on the line there. It's a late drive for the Chiefs. They're behind against the Broncos. And I think it was your buddy, Case Keenum, throwing the ball around for the Broncos. So they're coming back, and they're in trouble. And he's about to get tackled. He falls down, and he throws the ball lefty and completes the first down pass with the game on the line. I was, I was in shock. I was like, this, that's who this kid is. This kid is something else. He, that's, that's making stuff up on the fly. Turn and throw it with the wrong hand with the game on the line. So I knew from there and watching him play the whole game, obviously not the one play that we were talking about a different person. This guy's on a whole nother level. And you know, the second thing with Mahomes is don't forget his dad was a pitcher for my Mets, Pat Mahomes. He wore high socks. He was a right-handed pitcher uh, and he was a decent reliever. He's a long man. And that's where Pat Mahomes son gets that sidearm stuff, that magical sidearm stuff that he does where it looks like there's no angle for him to throw the ball. Well, hey, I tell you, a lot of us baseball pitchers, we could drop down and throw a sidearm, and so could Patty Mahomes. So we got that from his dad. So that that's some magic that you're not going to have unless you have that background. Well, and you talk about moxie, and one of the guys with tons of moxie that made my list was Jim McMahon. Oh, the 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 rebel inside of him fits so well in the Chicago area. Uh, we all love Jimmy Mack, and and even when he went to our arch rivals, the Green Bay Packers. We were still rooting for Jimmy Mack. I don't care. You know, maybe we wanted Green Bay to lose the game, but we love to see McMahon back there. And he even played up there near your neck of the woods in Philadelphia for a short period of time. But, man, Jim McMahon and his rebel attitude was just great. The Bears championship team with the mm-hmm. music video and Jim McMahon with the uh, sunglasses. He was like a movie star at the quarterback position, so he was a lot of fun for sure. Uh, my last one there is, is Michael Vick. I know he had a lot of off-season struggles at one period of time in his life, but, man, 
you talk about a, a guy who I've never seen run a football the way he did as a quarterback and still a rocket of an arm, especially for a lefty. It was fun to watch Michael Vick for a period of time in the NFL. Yeah, I like Michael Vick a lot as a player. Uh, pretty surprised he never got over the hump and won a Super Bowl because there was a stretch with Atlanta where he got to the Final Four. I do remember that. He got to the NFC Championship game, and they were right there. And I felt, you know, what the issue was with those teams were when the going got tough, they never committed to it the way the Ravens did last year. Like right. like John Harbaugh basically said, there's only going to be a period of time where Lamar Jackson could be this dominant of a rusher. And you know what? I'm not going to run away from that. I'm going to run towards it. I'm going to lean on that rushing game, and I'm going to elevate my whole team by doing that. And the thing with Vic's teams, whether it was the Falcons or with the Eagles, when he had a nice little run with the Eagles there, they never said, you know what? The going's tough. Everything's on the line. Every time you got to run, tuck that thing and run. Run it. Run it for 15 yards. Get out of bounds. Don't take a hit. Run it for 25 yards. Put us in scoring position. They always tried to lean on that balance under pressure, and that really wasn't the way to win because he had the special ability to be a scrambler and dominate the game. So let him do it. Let him do it under pressure. And that that was a, a coaching error by both of those teams. They never leaned into that rushing attack under the pressure of the playoffs. Well, I think Dan Reeves is quoted as saying, I just didn't know what to do with a feller who knew how to run like that. I think that's what Dan Reeves said. <laughs> I, think, I think he just came on the show. I remember Dan. It sounded just like him. <laughs> All right. So those are that's our history lesson, our little little trip down memory lane for us. But now looking into this next year, looking into the future, John, and I cannot wait for this because we may have to put a mustache bet on this one. Okay, (laughs) you have Gardner Minshew up at number 16. His average draft position is 28th, which is way down on the list for quarterbacks. What do you see in Gardner Minshew that nobody else is seeing right now? I got to go back and look at those rankings. That that doesn't sound right to me because he's getting so much hype on Twitter. He's like he's like one of the most popular names on Twitter for this entire offseason for the quarterback position. So I'm pretty surprised uh, by that ADP. I got to cross-check with like five or six different sites. Um, the main thing with him is he, he can scramble. I haven't projected for 428 rushing yards. I haven't projected for more than Daniel Jones. That's what people don't realize, the pace that Minshew was on as a rusher last year. Um, not only that, he's another guy. Same story with some of these other guys we mentioned with Moxie. I'll tell you a good story about him. I was watching the Jaguars game last year, and the reporters had done some good digging before the game. And they, they talked to Minshew. They interviewed him. And they said, what was it like when you uh, interviewed to be an NFL quarterback? He's like, well, I came into the meeting with the Jaguars, and I was like, yeah, I know. I'm short. I know. I don't have a strong arm, but I'm going to be a great NFL quarterback. I can guarantee you that. So, I mean, you know, and that's, that's the way he plays. If you watched the Jaguars play last year, that is Minshew. He's very similar to Daniel Jones in terms of the confidence in his own ability and the fact that they're both scramblers and the fact that they're both going into the second year, right? So you have two sophomores with similar skill sets there. Um, and yeah, I just like his moxie. And, and 16, that's kind of a gambler spot. You know what I mean? You're, you're outside of the realm of the guys that are considered safe picks. I'm stopping at number 15, which is Matthew Stafford. So Minshew, that's where you end the safe picks at the quarterback position. So then you got Minshew, Ryan Tannehill, Cam Newton, Rivers, Mayfield, Locke, Burrow, Cousins, Carr, Roethlisberger, all those guys, you got to gamble a little bit. Um, so if you want to go for a guy, go for the upside. Go for the guy who can scramble a little bit, Gardner Minshew. 
Well, and I just double-checked it while you were in your love fest with Gardner. Off, off of Fantasy Pros, I went ahead and went to Fantasy Pros and look at the ADP, and it's 28th and 23rd on Yahoo and 15th on Fantrax. So it's right there at that spot. Uh, very interesting. I agree with you. I love his moxie like we talked about. I like how he got off the remember, – remember the the picture of him? going for like a bowl game i believe in college and uh he was wearing that outfit coming off the plane <laughs> that crazy 70s uh, john travolta kind of outfit that was great yeah. he's a character he really is a character i hope that doesn't uh influence us because he does have a big personality but uh and he's a funny guy so that that is in your mind when you think about the whole package of the player but he did a nice job i mean he played nick Foles out of town right nick Foles got injured but at the point when Foles was prepared or ready to come back, it didn't matter anyway. They were going all in with Minshew. So, uh, um, you know, I, I think that's pretty safe at 16 because you're not taking a high pick. The 16th quarterback is not a high pick. That's late in the draft. So you're really not putting in any risk anyway. And that's the type of guy you would pair with another quarterback. You know, maybe you pair him with a, a veteran guy that you're not so sure about drafting at the end of the draft. Maybe a Rivers, maybe a Roethlisberger, uh, maybe Bridgewater if you feel like the Panthers are going to take a step up. So. You pair him with somebody else and you hope that it works out. I do like Gardner Minshew a little bit more now because, like you said, he ran Nick Foles out of town and Nick Foles ended up with the Bears. So I do like Gardner Minshew a little bit better now. Hey, Cam Newton is is taking Tom Brady's place in New England. I expect Cam's ADP to rise, but right now it's 23rd. You have him ranked as 18th. As the season gets closer, there's going to be more hype videos released. I believe his ADP is going to rise. Do you think Cam's a good fit in New England, or is New England kind of bulletproof and whoever is back there at quarterback will do pretty good? Yeah, you know, you can never doubt the Patriots coaching staff. That's what it comes down to. You got Belichick and you got McDaniels, and you got to think that you're going to take a guy like Cam Newton. You're going to look at his skill set now, right? We're not talking about Cam Newton who went to the Super Bowl and was the MVP of the league. We're talking about Cam Newton now, who was at the back end of his career and has taken a beating from all the scrambling over the years. You got to look at him. And when you watch him in practice, the Patriots top two guys there, and you're going to say, what is the way we're going to build this offense around him? How do we have to play to get his skill set to shine through at this stage in his career where he's not what he used to be. So we don't know exactly how that's going to be. Personally, I still think you're going to need him to rush a lot and say, you know, give me whatever you got left in the tank. I still think you got to run some uh, player option, uh, some motion in the backfield some play action, a lot of stuff like that. Hang on to the ball, read option. I think a lot of that type of stuff with Newton is going to help because if you just treat him as a pocket quarterback, he's not going to be good. They don't have the weapons. They don't have the weapons for him to thrive as a pocket quarterback in a vanilla type offense. So it really comes down to the coaches. And I think 18 is is like a safe spot. Um, I know I see some guys take him as high as 12 now. Like you said, the momentum is picking up in the last couple of weeks. That's too high for me. I, if you want to go high, Go to that 15, 16, no higher than that in terms of the quarterback position. You know, you go from a Tom Brady who is all about don't mess up and accountability when it comes to his teammates. It seems like offensive, defensive side of the field, it doesn't matter. You know, Tom Brady was just the team leader to a Cam Newton who is more about a me type of a player, it seems like, with the Superman logo ripping off there, the big first down uh, celebrations that he has. It'll be interesting to see how he fits in to New England. It's it's a polar opposite person than Tom Brady, it seems like. And so I'm really curious just to watch that experiment. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be one of those must-see TV type of situations because I have them going 9-7, and seven, and this is the way I see it playing out. I don't think they're going to be bad enough 
to abandon the season. Because once you bring them in, you're saying, we want to still try to win now. And that's probably because they feel like the division's wide open. Right? So they brought them in saying, I think we can still do it. We can still get it done. And I don't think they're going to fall off the map. I don't think they're going to start one and five and say, you know what, let's go to Stidham and just forget about it. So I think they're going to hang around, hang around with the Bills, hang around, hang around with the Jets. And I do think the Dolphins are going to be in the mix as well. I think all four teams are going to be right there. And then he's not going to be able to come through for them in the end. So I got, I have them going nine and seven just off Newton not being good enough at this stage in his career. So that that's exactly what the Patriots don't want. They either want to be good, win the division, and make a run in the playoffs, or be bad, turn it over to Stidham, and then go get Trevor Lawrence. So I think it's going to work out the wrong way for them. They're going to be right in the middle. Now, we talked about him for a minute last week on our running back episode, and if you haven't listened to that, we want to encourage you to go back and listen to that. Had a lot of fun doing the running back episode last week. You can find it at fantasyimpacttoday.com, just under the podcast section there. Uh, Baker Mayfield. You have him 20th in your rankings, while the consensus ADP has him going 14th. Is the public making a big mistake in drafting him so high? It seems a little bit early to me. Uh, obviously, I understand what the mindset is. The mindset is he was not good last year. They had a bad coaching situation. The offensive line was terrible. There were a lot of moving parts. So let's just scrap that and say it was just a bad year and shake it off. So that's obviously the mindset. So I don't have any issues with that in particular. I think that's a fair enough way to look at it. But there's a number of guys in front of him that are giving you more upside overall. He's not giving you any rushing. I got a projected for 135 yards. That's run of the mill, right? And he was one of the leaders in interceptions last year. And he's not a big guy. He does have some issues seeing over the line and getting good vision at the NFL level. That's clearly been a problem for him. Um, so there are things to worry about, and he's not giving you that rushing upside on the back end to make up for it, right? If you might as well use a lot of the young guys, right? If you look at Jones, Minshew, and Mayfield, I don't think there's really anything separating them. You might even say Mayfield might be the best passer out of the three. But since you're not really sure, you might as well take the guys that are going to run and give you stats because who cares what the results are in real football? We only care about the fantasy stats. So he's not giving you that upside, but he does give you the possible downside. Will the Browns be better overall? I think absolutely yes. I think the coaching will be better and the team will perform better with less pressure on them. But for fantasy, I think it's risky to go as high as 14. Now, there aren't a lot of rookie quarterbacks this year trying to make the transition from a college quarterback to an NFL starter on opening day this season. But this is clearly Joe Burrow's job. What are you expecting out of this guy who set the college football world on fire last season? What do you see him doing in Cincinnati? Yeah, I like Joe Burrow a lot. I really, I mean, he was really impressive to me. I, I'll be honest with you. I went to University of Connecticut. I watched a lot of football in college, all four years, nonstop. Went to all the games. We had Dan Orlovsky. Shout to Dan, who works at ESPN now. He's a really nice guy. Um, and we had a lot of guys that went on to the NFL. But I got to be honest with you, once I came back home to New York, uh, I was back more into the pros, watching a lot of pros. But this past year, the guy I saw the most was Joe Burrow, and he really knocked my socks off. I mean, I, I thought he was fantastic. His ball placement was out of this world. His accuracy was is unbelievable. Leadership, really positive guy keeping his teammates up, making big plays under pressure, making plays down the stretch of close games in the fourth quarter. So all the good signs you want to you want to see, as well as the guy can scramble. He's another guy. You you think just because he's accurate that he's a pocket quarterback, but he can run. He's got legs. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I like the whole package. Obviously, the major issues with the Bengals are, again, offensive line. There's nothing. There's no. There are no standouts on this offensive line. You have no elite offensive linemen. 
and he's a rookie with coronavirus, a lot to learn. So those are the negatives. But as a player at a vacuum, I like him a lot. All right. So we have another guy who's been a hot topic on Twitter recently. It's his second year in John Gruden's system. They they put a lot of faith in him. I know they went out and got Mariota in this in the offseason, but I just don't see Marcus Mariota being a real threat to Derek Carr's job in Las Vegas. He has some good weapons around him as well, but you have him at 26th. ADP is 26th. I'm expecting bigger things out of Derek Carr than, than 26th overall as this season progresses. What about you? Yeah, Wes, uh, I got to tell you, first things first, I agree with you 100%. I don't think Mariota is a threat, even though I think it was a show. You know what I mean? Gruden, Gruden has an eye for the camera. We know Gruden, right? He liked to be on hard knocks. He likes to have all these sound bites where he's, a, he's the center of attention. He was on ESPN making millions of dollars. So he, he knows how to play the game. Mariota is a big name for a backup quarterback. This guy had a lot of hype coming out of college and was a great college player and is a really good kid. He's very well liked. So he knows what he's doing. He's saying, look, Derek Carr, I'm bringing in a big name and I'm going to show you this guy's going to take your job. But it's a joke. As far as how Mariota's played the last couple of years, he was one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL, hands down. Totally lost it. Whatever it was, he lost it. So I'm with you. I don't think he's a threat. As far as Derek Carr goes, uh, if you look at his stats from last year, you'd be shocked to know it was the best year of his career in terms of pure stats. Nobody really thinks that because the Raiders became an afterthought after they had a really slow second half. Everything fell apart. And it actually started with the Jets blowing the doors off them. And after that, they kind of fell apart. Um, but yeah, Carr, they got some weapons now. They got Henry Ruggs, was the highest uh, wide receiver drafted this year. Darren Waller is a monster. The tight end, what a find by Gruden and Mayock, the GM. Um, and then you got Edwards. The rookie was drafted as well. You got Tyrell Williams, who was there last year, played well. Hunter Renfro in the slot. Um, and they got, obviously, Josh Jacobs setting a tone in the backfield. And they drafted Lynn Bowden as well. So they got some pieces around them. Uh, I do think that being that he threw over 4,000 yards last year with a bad team, this team is better. So he certainly could be better. It's just kind of a conservative ranking at 26, knowing that you don't have to reach for him. That's why I have him there. You don't have to reach because people are waiting until about that time. You know, one of the sure signs to me of a good quarterback is how much he's on target. And Derek Carr was on target 82.6% of the time last season, right up there with a Drew Brees. And I know there's a lot of other things that go along in playing football than just being on target. But that, to me, says a lot about where he can put the ball, his ball placement. I, I like that. So uh, I do expect big things out of Derek Carr. Yeah, uh, that's a tricky one, right? That stat is very tricky because they did not take shots down the field at all. Right. So there's two ways of looking at that, though. That, that doesn't discount the stat. That means he's, he's checking down a lot. But you know what? He's putting the ball there. Just because you're making conservative throws doesn't mean you're hitting them all the time. So it doesn't discount the stat. It just means that the, the radius of his passes was a little bit easier to connect on than those downfield throws. Um, one more note on Derek Carr. The guy was in the Pro Bowl back-to-back-to-back years not that long ago. Three years in a row. People, I don't think people know that about him. So I'm with you, Wes. He, he has some upside, and I don't think Mariota is a threat. And I think that Gruden knows they got to get every last ounce they can out of him before they have to think about moving forward at the quarterback position in the future. So, you know, this is it. It's put up or shut up for Derek Carr. Yeah, 25 drops to go along with that that uh, on-target percentage just tells me that maybe his his receivers weren't that great uh, alongside of him. Hey, before we wrap everything up here, Big Ben, you 
ADP is 16th. I think a lot of things, people are expecting a big bounce back year from Ben Roethlisberger. You have him as the 27th quarterback, and you only have him slated for 13 games. You're not not really uh, uh, very confident in Big Ben's health this season? No, not not even a little bit confident. I mean, the guy's, <laughs> the guy's 38 years old, right? He is a warrior. Another guy, I have a lot of respect for him. So that that's one thing you got to do, and, and this is a note for all the fantasy coaches out there. Forget about what you think about these guys on a personal level. Forget about your home team. I got Darnold ranked 28th, and I'm a Jets fan, right? Forget about all that stuff. Take out what you think you know about these guys, the biases and that stuff, and just go by what is the right play, right? So the right play with Roethlisberger is there's a bunch of guys around him that are much safer picks. He's 38 years old. He has been a Warriors whole career taking a beating. I don't even know if he can play on that leg over the span of a full season. And how do you know he's not going to get bashed from the blind side and go down and take another uh, dangerous hit, something that puts his career in jeopardy? So I have no faith in him to play the full season. I got him slated for 13 games. Um, And not only that, and this is a really key thing with Roethlisberger, the last time he was good and he was really effective, they had Antonio Brown, Juju, and Le'Veon Bell. Now they have just Juju and some guys they have to bring along that have to develop. So the personnel is totally different. What you think you know about Roethlisberger at age 38 and injury prone uh, is not what you think you know. It's a totally different story now. So it's very risky. I have no problem with you take him as your second quarterback. Don't take him as your starter. Oh, well, not only that, but something else that has changed is the dominance in that division because Baltimore is the dominant team in that division now, and they're going to leave everybody in the dust. We might see Pittsburgh just sitting there going, you know, it's time for a youth movement, Big Ben. Your leg is really bothering you. Let's see what we got in the other guys now. Yeah. So I could see that happening as well. Well, John, we're, we're all just about out of time here. Is there anybody else that you wanted to cover for quarterbacks that, that at the bottom of this list that you might see as a sleeper that somebody really needs to pay attention to and not let them slip by them in the, in the bottom part of the draft? Well, maybe not as a sleeper, but I think we really all of us have to keep an eye on this Bears quarterback situation because that's a lot of fun, isn't it? I mean, I, I know about this no. situation. It's not uh, fun, John. It's not at all. Come on, Wes. What do you th- What are your thoughts? Who's, first of all, who's going to come away with the job, and who do you want to come away with the job? Well, I think it is Mitch Trubisky's job going into the season, and uh, after he has a couple of bad moments, which will be a couple of bad quarters the first game, it'll be Nick Foles' job coming out of the, the locker room at halftime, uh, the very first game. Now, there's a lot of things on the line for this coaching staff, for this front office, they are feeling the the pressure now. They are on the hot seat. All the all those play, people above Mitch Trubisky as well, and Nick Foles is one of those guys that everybody loves that everybody likes, and, and he's just a great locker room guy as well. And I think that that is very important. They're not going to sit around and wait for Mitch Trubisky to lose the job for them. You know, it, they're they're not going to wait to get fired because they stuck with Mitch Trubisky too long. They're going to wait for, they're going to want Nick Foles to come in riding the white horse, saving the day. I do think early in the season, that'll end up being Nick Foles job. Unless one thing happens, unless they let Mitch run. Mm-hmm. He, he may have been nursing some injuries last season. I know he was a little bit banged up, but if they just let him run and let him create plays, instead of making him into something that they want him to be, then he has a, the possibility of being the Mitch Trubisky that went to the Pro Bowl two years ago. So yeah. that's how I see it folding. Uh, it's really still a mystery to me of what they're going to allow him to do. I like that point a lot, Wes. And, that, and that's a really key point for young quarterbacks who are a little bit inaccurate 
a little bit inexperienced and maybe not so polished and maybe they never will be, right? The really key point here is if you have a quarterback like that, Sam Darnold is the same way. We're in the same boat, my friend. Yeah, I know. Very inconsistent. And he's at his best when he is running. When the play breaks down, run, go get that 10, 11 yards, run out of bounds and don't take a hit. That's number one. And number two is when you drop back and everybody's covered, check that thing down, dump that ball off to the running back and don't take a hit. Put the ball in your playmaker's hands and let them take the damage. Um, These are things that quarterbacks that are a little bit shaky and a little bit young and a little bit wild, they need to have it in their game. They got to run. They got to check down and they got to make quick decisions. So I'm with you all the way, Wes. They got to let Mitch run and he's got to make some uh, some reads very quickly. Well, John, you did another great job uh, today. Thank you so much for joining us here at Fantasy Impact today. And this has been the John Priscilla Show. And, John, we want to encourage everybody to wear sunscreen as they go out and mow their yard shirtless because that's our demographic, right? We also want to encourage everybody to go out and make a positive impact in the world today. 